Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? What have you been up to? Well, I'm fine, thank you. And I have been being bemused. Hmm. Hmm. About because, what? Well, my current bemusement is I'm really kind of fascinated by these new Fendi, um, the new Fendi campaign. Have you seen it? That's for, for, for their um, peekaboo uh, tenures of their bag. And it's just, I, I just need, I just need them to explain it to me more because it's like a lovely field of mm-hmm. long grass and then it's Kim Kardashian, Kris Jenner and Northwest in oh. the field. Oh yeah, I'm seeing and, it now. Are you seeing it now? Yeah. And it's like they're kind of giving me like executive realness. <laughs> That's what I'm getting from their clothes because... You know, Kim's got a nice shirt on. Chris's got her shirt and her jacket. jacket. North has got her little jacket, frillies. They've got their friend Fendi branding, but they seem like they should be having a meeting in an office, but they're lying in the grass. Yeah, what does that say? What What am I getting? Is it that when we're at work, we can dream of the grass? Through our Fendi accessories. Mm. And also the grass, it's not even that inviting. It's not. It's quite overwhelming. Mm. Because and I, kind of bleached by the sun. I'm seeing another one where they're, where they're near a pool. Oh. Um, which makes not, not that much more sense. But no. it's a bit more the kind of thing I would dream of rather than being yes. in the grass. And there's like one of Kim, she looks like she's asleep and then oh, yeah. North lying with her, which seems to reference kind of, I don't know, William Eggleston photographs, Guy Baudin photographs. It seems to be in a, you know, whole kind of art history, fashion history of women lying in the grass. Are they asleep? Are they dead? And <laughs> Oh, did you see there is a film as well? I'm just looking at a oh, film. Oh, we need to watch the film. Yeah. Wow. That is really weird. That is really, it's almost like, (laughs) it reminds me of um, one time my mother and I, we were driving back in her car from Munich um, and her car broke down and she insisted on taking her vanity case with her. So the car, we had to abandon it. And then we, we, her friend wasn't, wasn't coming home until the evening. And we were just walking around the whole day with this vanity case. And it just didn't make any sense. And it looks a bit like that, like they've sort of stranded in, and um, they were on a way to a meeting and the car store that explains the whole thing yeah. now i get it <laughs> it was inspired by you and your mother yeah it's just it is very strange it yeah. really is isn't mm. it? it it's just i mean is that the point that you stop on it longer because you're thinking what yeah mm. is that the point because i sometimes think that definitely is the point with some fashion advertising that it's just kind of weird for the sake of being weird because it makes you stay longer on the page but this I feel like there is a narrative but it's out of reach what is quite interesting is if you watch the film um it's on I don't know, Harper's Bazaar website it looks very much like amateur film it looks like a film and right. almost like an old home vid- home movie oh, kind so of that thing because um, like Kim's 
Instagram that links to that that she kind of like end of last year this year was doing like really interesting photographs of like inside her house and stuff that were very kind of amateurish and then the Yeezy campaigns where it's you know it looks like a paparazzi shop but not so is Fendi sort of visually referencing them yeah but then but then I'm you know it works when you're all yeezed up in layers exactly but it's a bit strange when you're wearing yeah because because it, it part of me thinks maybe you know even though it's so obviously a fashion film part of me thinks should is it meant to look like oh yeah they really are wearing this kind of stuff when they're hanging yes. out um it's not just put up for this ad but then it it's so incongruous it it's sort of meta 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 i think it is somehow it is meta 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 yeah. i mean because there are some where they're in a house as well mm, yeah near the pool yeah. Uh-huh. But there's also in yes, and there's inside the house with oh yeah, that's Chris wearing very odd checked boots, which <laughs> I'm not, I'm not feeling the yeah. checked boots, and I... and it's also interesting I think because the clothes, like they're pulling on their bodies, you know they don't look like usually in fashion shoots everything's perfect and there's no creases and bulges and things. But there are in this. So are we meant to think, oh, it's so real, Fendi? Yeah, and in the in the film you can see that the jacket is a bit too big for North. Um, ah. Quite a bit too big. So that's interesting too. It's, it's a mystery. It is. It's one maybe we can ponder on. Yeah, I'm oh, very... I finally got the film to play. Um, yes, yes, North's jacket is falling off. Kim is wearing her over-the-knee socky boot thing. Yeah. They're going for a walk. I think your explanation with your mother of, of the car's <laughs> broken down and they've just had to improvise is the best one. But then somehow they've come a- upon a villa with a pool. Yes. And then at the end, what is that called, that spaceship thing? It's quite yeah. famous. I've forgotten what it's called. Uh, I think uh, there's one on the roof at Central St. Martin. And then they Saint just Martin. ascend back to the heavens oh, in that's their spaceship. True. Yeah, maybe. And there's no one else around as well. Maybe they're the last people in the person who has the video oh, camera. Oh, my word. <laughs> yes, who's holding the video yeah. camera in this scenario? Yeah. True, yeah, there is Wow, I think we could write quite a good piece of fan fiction on yeah. this now, couldn't we? I think we could. Developing yeah. or screen. We can develop a screenplay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's my bemusement okay. explained. Okay, thank you. I'm not surprised. That that probably will now <laughs> occupy me for the rest of the weekend. I know. We may have to think about this and exchange quite a few more calls yes. to, to mm. really understand it. But I'm not bemused. I'm just thrilled by the Antonio Lopez documentary. Oh, I which, heard about that, but as yeah, usual, I haven't I, seen it. I've been, yeah, I've been meaning to speak to you about it for, a few weeks now because I rented it on iTunes and then I loved it so much I you know I bought it and I keep watching it again and again because I just really really love it I think it's it's I mean it's got a good title it's called Antonio Lopez 1970 sex fashion disco mm. so I mean you've got you, yeah. you know you're drawn in there already mm. but it's just I don't know because like some documentaries are really not so good can I put it like that but this one, I think, is just great because it is 
I don't know, we were talking the other day about oral um, biographies, and I feel like it's a really brilliant bringing together of, like, oral biographies, because they interview so many interesting people who speak really brilliantly about Antonio's significance. But then it's also a visual essay. Like, I don't know who did their picture research, but they did really well, because... You see him drawing, you see the models, you see, you know, other fashion people around him. You really get a sense of his energy and like everyone keeps saying how charming and charismatic and sensual he was. And you really get that feeling of him having been someone who is just, I mean, it's quite a funny phrase, but like so full of life, you know. Mm. And, And the beginning bit I really love because it's like photographs of him and him drawing intercut with people saying about how he used to do this kind of um weird breathing when he was drawing because he was so into it where he would he would kind of breathe in and breathe out in a really pronounced manner and like several different people say it was as though he was like breathing in the sort of essence of the woman he was drawing Mm. and then it was coming out through his fingers on the page and I think it's just so that's like such a brilliant way of describing it. And it's also, you know, think about it. It's really hard to imagine how you would do a documentary of someone who's known for drawing, yeah. how you would translate that into a really exciting film. But they really have. Mm. Um, so when and, they interview people, do is it like, do, do you see those people that talk? Yes, or, mm, mm. yes. Which is really interesting and fabulous in itself. So you see, like Jessica Lang and Grace Coddington, Bill Cunningham, um, who I hadn't realised how he was great friends with Antonio and that whole gang, and he speaks really beautifully about how important he was. And and like Pat Cleveland um, and Donna For- Donna Jordan and Jane Forth and Corey Tippin, like really interesting people. Who and I think what what you really get a sense of is this kind of coming together of really fascinating people who were all, it was kind of quite natural to them to express themselves through their clothing and their makeup and their hair. And then that became their profession in one way or another. Mm. Um, but, but with all of them, it seems, as I say, really natural. It doesn't seem forced. And as I say, the pictures of the, the pictures, the photographs and film of him drawing are just incredible. There's like such energy and it is like he's sort of quiet he's like he's yeah it's like he's absorbing what's around him and remaking it as images um and it really shows the power of fashion illustration i think and how brilliant um you know like the best fashion illustrators just such brilliant artists i don't know in his case it's kind of looking at the model wearing the dress but then it's it's like he develops this whole world from it. You know, the way he puts backgrounds and mm. he'll make their hair kind of streaming out and there'll be like a horse in the background or they'll be, you know, uh, you know, they'll be on a motorbike suddenly. Um, and it is as though he's kind of, he's, he's like connecting it to comic books and art and pop culture and kind of a, bringing all of that together into one image so it's really expressive in a in a very different way from photography and what did he i can't i don't know what did he make them for do they talk um, about it? Is it for interview or something like that or? he he did it for i mean a lot of people i think and, and i think he didn't 
like having contracts particularly so that he could be freer so he worked for the new yorker mm. and women's wear daily vogue l l in france he did some amazing amazing stuff for them um and it's and i it's really interesting as well about his partnership like romantic but then later just business partnership with um one ramos who like bill cunningham says you know was like the best art art director after uh, you know alongside Alexi Brodovich which is quite mm. something and amazing um but it's really interesting how the two of them sort of interact that they that people talk about how Juan Ramos was kind of refining what Antonio Lopez was doing so he'd kind of stand next to him while he was drawing and kind of comment and guide and you know they'd kind of collaborate on the drawing without Juan Ramos ever actually picking up a pencil. Mm. They're really, really interesting. That sounds interesting. And how, maybe they don't show that, but how, I I just wonder, how did it work? Did he have someone in fr front of him or? Yes. Mm. I think that's, that's one of the things that is really exciting in his work is there's the sense of this presence of an actual body. And so, you know, like he, he was one of the first people to work with like Pat Cleveland and Jerry Hall and Jessica Lange and all these like amazing women. And I think it's, it's also his credit and to this era's credit that they're all women who are beautiful, but not like standard couture model of the era mm. looking. So it's like you, you get the sense of real women no, I hate that when people say real women, models aren't, are real women yeah. too. But do you know what I mean? Like women who look different and have real character in their faces and who move in an interesting way. So he's kind of captivated for their, by their entire being. And then they seem to kind of influence each other that he's kind of remaking them in his drawings, but that he's feeding off them and they're, fe you know, they're feeding off each other. And this I'm want, I want to also mention to you because I think you'll like this. His father was a psychic slash mannequin maker. Wow. That's incredible. Is there a better hyphenated? No, I don't think no, so. I think that's isn't, it. That is that win. Mm. Mm. But, but isn't that interesting, the idea that when he, you know, because it says about, because I think that he's Puerto Rican and then moved to, the family moved to New York when he was young. So he grew up there. And like when he was young, when he was little, he would, you know, work with his father making these mannequins. And you think how interesting. Yeah. He's looking at fragments of the body. He's putting together the body. He's constructing bodies from a really early age and then he's kind of translating that into an art form mm. wow that sounds right i'm just looking at the trailer online and oh right yeah i like how they what they do with the drawings that they're sort of black yes. and white and then they color them in somehow isn't that wonderful mm. so really... it's as though you're seeing it appear before mm. your eyes i really really like it because it's it's made by james crumb um he's like the director and it's just such Yeah, it's just really engaging, and I think you just, yeah, you get such a strong sense of Antonio, but also the people around him. And I love seeing, you know, like seeing Jane Forth and and all those amazing women now. Mm. Oh yeah, that must be really interesting. It's really as well. wonderful because mm. they all look amazing, and they're I don't know, they they're just so interesting talking about him and how how you know the kind of atmosphere of the time you get a really strong 
feeling of it. And they, they have really good music, like Marvin Gaye yeah. um, and stuff. But it's not, you know, like some some films you watch, you think, oh, my goodness, okay, I get it. It's the disco era or whatever. <laughs> but, but it seems really organic and at one with the images and everything. Yeah, I always um, think I'd love... I, I know it had its dark its dark sides, mm. but I, I'd love to have been in New York in the 70s. That must have been the yeah. most exciting place. It really does. It Yeah, and, and I love also the makeup. Can we have a moment <laughs> thinking about the makeup? Because, like, Corey Tippin is just so amazing with his makeup on James Forth. You know, like, she shaved her eyebrows off, and then he would do just, like, a yellow line there or something, wow. or, like, a shading of yellow. And I really like how he did the cheeks, because it's really like painting on the face. And with all of them, there's such kind of confidence and freedom in their bodies and this sort of sense that you can display them however you want and it's quite interesting when they like they hang out with Andy Warhol and his gang although there's kind of you know they're like separate but connected to that gang and and like the drag queens and of the who surrounded um Andy Warhol and you can really see the link between drag culture drag makeup drag fashion Mm. and 70s fashion really clearly I think as well in this sort of conscious self-fashioning and this conscious you know if i'm putting paint on my face why do i have to do it in a in a natural you know, yeah in exactly. commas, yeah mm. yeah yeah so james so, Force is she the blonde that's donna jordan oh, okay. who's gorgeous and amazing mm, too mm. um jane force has got brown hair usually okay and, okay and she google her she looks really fabulous mm. like, there's so many because he also um antonio took um, Polaroids, and there are lots of amazing Polaroids um, of of all of the girls as well, and they just look incredible. And then it sort of takes you to Paris, and they go to Paris and hook up with um, Karl Lagerfeld. So you see Karl Lagerfeld in his big, muscly, tanned face. Oh yeah, the with a beard. Yes. Um, and, oh, this yeah, is so, okay. I've got Jane Force now. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Mm, yeah, mm, amazing. Yeah. So, yes, so I want to highly recommend this film to you to watch. I want you to watch it so that we can then talk about it for hours. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I think I'll get the... I think that particular company that seems to distribute these films, I've already got quite a few from them. I think um, I have too. Yeah. Well, I had a bit of a 70s uh, thing going on as well. Oh, really? Yeah, so I we um we always go to this um DVD place near us called Close Up, and they always oh, yeah. have a, a shelf with new acquisitions, which is not necessarily you know new films. So yeah. we, so we picked up this one, which is called Baxter Vera Baxter, um, and it's by Marguerite Duras. I think that's how ah. you say her last name, and. I don't really want to talk about it because I'm still trying to figure out what's what's going on. It's 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 quite a slow film. It's it's got I think six people in it, and it's predominantly yeah. one woman telling her story to another woman. Um, at some point at the beginning, you see Gerard Depardieu, but and the interesting thing is, so they fashion-wise, in a way, there isn't that much going on because it's just these six actors, I think, two, and they don't change their clothes, but. And and I, I first of all I tried to figure out who made the clothes and I can't figure out it out which is which is interesting that they, they list two people who made the makeup but they don't list where the clothes come How from funny. yeah it's it's interesting 
Um, they're not that, you know, they're, they're sort of, the film is from 77, they're sort of greenish, beige-ish, sort of muted colours. But at some point, um, the person who is told the story to, um, and I don't know how you pronounce the actress's name, she's called Delphine Zeirik, or Ze Zeirik. Oh, yes. And she was in Last Year in Marienbad. Yes. She looks very different in this film. She sort of walks along, a lot of the time it plays in this modern villa, and she walks through this slightly darkened main room of the villa. And and she's got this really long, lean 70s silhouette. And it just made me think about whether there are periods where... So she looks like she's in... It could be a fashion shoot. Yeah. And it made me think about whether they are periods where what you see in magazines are more removed from what you see in the streets than oh, other periods. Because I also looking at the Antonio Lopez trailer, I, I see what you say about real women, but it was again an, an, a period where, where the models were very, very thin. I mean, compared, yeah. say, to the 80s or 90s, late 80s, early 90s. So... I don't know whether that has a part of it, and I know that gets gets one into murky waters anyway. But, but I just thought whether there are certain times when it's more difficult to achieve the ideal type. You that's know. really interesting. I mean, I guess it depends which streets you're walking along. That's true. First of all, yeah, because sometimes, point. yeah, I wasn't thinking of Bond Street. Or, no. Yeah. True. So I mean, thinking about it even now. It's completely different if you go to different areas of London, mm. let alone going outside London or, you know, to other countries. Mm. So there's that. But then, I mean, it's interesting. I don't know. I guess in the 70s, those kind of lean silhouettes did exist on the street, mm. but maybe only in certain places. Mm. I suppose, it, yes, I suppose it's like, is there a, when when is there a kind of, fracture between high fashion and what's on the street which i guess nowadays less so in some ways because of athleisure which connects to the street and because of so many designers really looking at instagram and the street mm. as a source i thought in the 60s it's more aligned but maybe that it maybe the whole question is a bit silly but i i've sort of thought no it's interesting i thought in the 60s what you get in magazines is is more similar that when you get pictures from I'm just thinking about London now from the King's Road or whatever. Well, that's the thing. It is really like yeah, as you said, like a photograph of the King's Road. But would it be as similar if you had a photograph from North Yorkshire? Mm. I don't know. Mm. We need to look at this because this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because. The standard narrative, which we do not adhere to, yes. obviously, of just complete linearity and everybody throws out their wardrobes every six months, um, is just silly. But it, and I suppose it's also which elements, when when sort of high fashion had more dictatorial power, shall we say, mm. which elements did go down? Because is it like in the 60s, is it that like younger people in a far wider range of places would have short skirts yeah but they I, might not have i don't know like plastic earrings and do you know what i mean like they might not have all the elements but yeah but the silhouette might mm. 
I mean, you got the feeling that in the 60s at some point, I think it reminds me of the film that was shown, I think, at a conference that you organized, which was uh, Regent Street, I think, or New Oxford Street. And it, it seems a bit in the 60s, like in the 20s, you had no choice, you know, you had to wear shorts. Yes. Um, and well, if you were younger. Yeah, but even, you know, I always, my example is always Princess Margaret, or even the Queen, you know, they, she, she didn't wear quite above the knee, but almost, you know, it was yes. almost there. And, and Princess Anne definitely did. So I, I think that, and maybe maybe that's what, what's different in the 70s, yes. there are far more different kind of looks that you can adopt maybe that's true i don't yes, know that there isn't one dominant silhouette i mean i know there isn't one dominant one in the 60s but i mean it, but it but the shortness is really pervasive mm. Mm. um and i guess also do you think because denim is rising in fashion in from late 60s into the 70s that that kind of blurs things because although it is linked to fashion it doesn't really read as fashion when you look at it necessarily yeah maybe so maybe maybe just generally the rise of or more acceptance of wearing something casual um which is at that point maybe you don't see that much in magazines although i do remember that they always had sections for clothes for lounging in Yes. But that was a special section, a special sort of feature, which was separate from the fashion feature. So there were you proper clothes yes. and so the lounge special. clothes. And in the film, it's obviously not, it's the proper clothes. The other thing, and then maybe another spurious, silly comment is, um, it looks, well, she actually, maybe she doesn't wear a cardigan. It, I think one of them wears a cardigan, and I thought... That's another thing. I see there was such a big thing in the seventies. I feel cardigans. Um, and I love those. I love those completely, like really fine knit ensembles that like Miss Sony and Dorothy B and all those people did, where it's like a long lean skirt that's mm. knit and then a knitted sweater and then a cardigan and then a skirt and it just goes on and on. And you've just got all your layers. Mm. I, I mean, as someone who feels the cold, I like that. That's yeah. Because it's, it's also very 30s, isn't it? Like, there's yeah. a lot of 30s influence on the 70s. That's true. Or, actually. or 20s. We, we have entire knitted ensemble from, ensembles from the 20s, actually. And it's I like what you've, what you've just said. It's a skirt, and it's in this case, it would be quite a long top with probably a belt around the hips, and then oh. might be a cardigan as, as well. I was and quite is it surprised. quite a fine knit? Yeah, it's quite a fine knit and often sort of silky, but I think it's artificial. And I was quite surprised when I first saw these because I don't think you see them that much again in fashion magazines or fashion no. photos. But it's obviously something that people wore quite a bit. Um, you see I mean, them. I think I've. Sorry, go on. You see them a little bit in our Bassano photos, which are the advertisement photos for right. you know more sort of ready to wear rather than yes. high end. Um, and I think you see them in. Like family photos, like amateur photographs. That's true. That's true. I think true. you definitely do. Mm. Oh, interesting. So, so I, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you go. No, no, no. I was just saying, going to say that. So, it's kind of something that comes in in the, or really kind of crystallizes in the twenties, with like Chanel's influence, but also like Pringle and twin sets and all that kind of stuff. And then in the thirties, you get a kind of longer, leaner, more fluid variant of that and then the 70s 
it's kind of rendered in various ways as ready to wear, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, and it it's more yeah, like you say, it's sort of more picking up from the thirties as a quite a short waist, and is it long, long, long legs? Yes. Of. So anyway, so I've been sort of musing about about that partly because I can't get my head around what is actually going on in that film, um, which it's I it's always good to just go to the costume. Yeah, if you can't get your head around the film, what are they wearing? Yeah, so I I will I will watch it again and then I might 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 tell you I might okay. yeah so. And how about the hair and makeup? Well, it's. The the hair is interesting in that um the Delphine Zyrik she might wear a wig, it's sort of red and it looks like it was in curlers and now has been sort of slightly blown out. And then the main person who's this this wife who an unhappily married wife who tells her story, um she the 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 makeup is quite interesting. It's sort of quite pale with um, emphasis on the eyes and the mouth, and doesn't look too glossy, but oh, because I always think of yeah, know, I do. Is glossy. Yeah, it's it's not too glossy in in this instance, but I I think it's really interesting seeing that there are only six actors, I think, two of yeah. which are men, so four women, and that the two makeup artists get special mention. Yeah, it's so so. I that's again something. Um, it's it's surprising how little there is online. Um, about about this particular film, there is there is quite a bit, but not not nothing that answers my question. So I've ordered some books, and Good. I'll do some research, and um, then I might be able to tell you tell you a bit more. Do you more. think they could be wearing their own clothes? Maybe that's what it is. Um, Marguerite Dura also seems to come up in conjunction with Yves Saint Laurent. I, I think she might have written a foreword for a, a catalogue or a book. Um, and then now that made me wonder whether whether it's Yves Saint Laurent, but I, I don't think so. It might, it's just one outfit for each of them, so maybe it wasn't yes. deemed important. I don't, I, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a mystery. Um, I yeah. hope it's not something really obvious that I missed, but I, I don't think so. I spent quite a lot of time trying to figure it out. No, you are the mm. queen of, of research. Yeah, so but check it out. I um there is there's some a bit of a trailer or a few snippets of it online. And what the other thing that's interesting, last thing I want to say is, is the soundtrack. Um, if that's the right word, it's especially composed by I think an Argentinian composer, and it sounds like you know very broad way of saying um it is that it sounds like South American music with a it with the pipes, and oh, it's yes. it's the whole film. It doesn't stop. Sometimes it gets louder, sometimes it gets a bit less, but it's the entire film, it's the, it's, there is music. And I read one person saying it's maddening and exhilarating, and I thought that was quite good. <laughs> because at times I thought I have to, I have to um, watch it silently, um, but then you get quite used to it. It's a, it has a really interesting effect having that, the music the whole time. So, so yeah, it's, it, I guess it's interesting in that it, it's a mystery to me, and it's now occupied me quite a long time. So it's Tell fascinating. Me the title again. So it's called Baxter, Vera Baxter. Okay. The woman the story is told to, she overhears this name in a bar. I think that's why it's right. the title of the film, and then she wants to find out who that woman is. Uh, um, and I think it also something to do with Baxter is not her name; it's her husband's name. I see. And it's something about position of women. I think. So, um, 
Oh, well, I'm really intrigued and I want to hear. So I have to watch that film and you have to watch Antonio Lopez. Exactly. And then we can compare and contrast. Oh, I look forward to that very much. Me too. All right. Okay. Bye-bye then. Bye. Bye.